White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 Call your sons! Call your daughters! Holy cow! Carlton Fred has put the White Sox ahead! There goes number 400! The Big Fred Barry takes a perfect game! His second no-hitter! You can't put it on the board! Yeah! Can it go? Grand Slam! The White Sox winner and a World Championship! Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson! This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey. And the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Socks podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome back to a glorious Glorious Locked On Sox. I am Herb Lawrence. With me as always, after a great victory over the Royals, the hated Royals, 3-2, is Chris Tannehill. That's right, Herbie. It is a great night tonight. They didn't whoop them every time, Tim Anderson. Well, I just want to whoop them every time. Clown. But they did win, Bill Walton. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Dutch Turkle Bridge Division Street. Let's go. It's always a great night when you beat the Royals, especially when you get a shout-out on the television broadcast. Oh, boy. What, what a night for your boy tonight. Uh, there's a lot going on here. Um, how about that? How about that, huh? That was quite a thing, wasn't it? You know, you're just sitting there, and you're, you're trying to put your kid to bed, and, and your wife's laying there, too, and you're kind of winding down, and you know, you're watching tensely because it's still a game with the Royals where so many terrible things can happen at one time. And you're laying in bed, and you're trying to get the kid to simmer down, and she's trying to show you SpongeBob SquarePants videos, and uh, you know, so you decide to do a little staring contest with the, with your kid for a little bit there, and you know, she's cheating her ass off, and that's fine because uh, she's six, and you know, she you know, cheating is all she knows, but that's that's all right. Um, cheating gets you far in life. Just ask uh, the Astros. So. Yeah. You're you're sitting there in bed and you got the game on your uh, NBC my NBC Sports Chicago my teams app. You know what? I, I don't really don't want to get into it actually. You know, en- enough about me. I don't even know if I can find no, it. Wait. I know I don't know if I can find it. Oh wait, here it is. Subscribe for free, which is always good. <laughs> wherever you get your podcast. I mean, if you get it at the store, if you if you get it at the cleaners, doesn't matter where you get it, but it doesn't cost you anything, which is the best news. Where do you get podcasts? I think your ringtone is going to be subscribed for free. It's, I like that. It's yeah. good. Where do you get podcasts? You download them from the App Store, the, the Google Play Store, or the App Store oh, on well, Apple. That explains it. Yeah, you can use a podcast app. Why do you set me up for these things? We All that happens is we become talk radio drop-ins again. We're hot buttons on talk radio. Chris Tannehill loves it more than anything in the and world. Goddamn right. Is Evan Marshall getting loose? Can you believe we're 10% of the way through the season already? So great, 10% man. into the season, and what's what's the deal? i, I got to wait this long for my shout-out, but Nettie, what's going on? We're 10% into this bad boy already. No, That's inexcusable, Jason. Appreciate you, but come on. We're already in, in August here When by the time you guys listen to this. So, yeah, that was cool. It was a very cool moment, and uh, obviously my phone and uh, Twitter was blowing up after that, and I did lose the staring contest to, to my daughter there. Uh, because Daddy is a big time narcissist, and she could give a shit because she won the staring contest, so she didn't even care that Daddy's name was being mentioned on TV. But that was very cool, of Jason, to, to do that. I certainly 
perked up, gave me the energy I needed, I think, uh, to knock this out tonight. But so White Sox winner tonight. Sox win over the Royals 3-2 to two in Kansas City. Uh, but, of course, you guys are here because you want to hear the great news. Um, Big-time sports story today. Of course, that would be Illini guard Ayo Dasunmu is going to return to the Illini next year. Go ahead, Herbie. I know you want to get that off your chest. Close enough, but yes. What, how do you say it? Ayo Dasunmu. No, I, I like Ayo. Like I, I like Ao like uh, Omar. Ayo. Ayo. <laughs> Ayo. I like that better. Don't make me come back. <laughs> you got you got some honey nut. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I know you're excited about the Illini tonight. Big night, and also Co- uh, Kofi Cockburn, which is a name, not a condition. Uh, Co- <laughs> Kofi Coburn is is coming back as well, right? Big night for the Illini. Uh, he's going to make his announcement tomorrow. But this is not locked on Illini. I'm sure somebody <laughs> has that locked on. Um, if they don't, I'll take that job if you're listening, uh, Mr. Lock. Um, yes, but the White Sox, 3-2. to two. I thought the whole time that we're going to murder that rookie. But the only runs came off of the bat of a suddenly resurgent and a guy that looks much different from the guy that showed up before 2019, Adam Engel. That man has a bat now? Let's yeah. go. Well, if you listen to Locked On Sox, you would know that that's the guy who we want out there until Nomar Mazzara comes back. And, you know, if you're smart, you listen to people who listen to Locked On White Sox. That's what I always say. Uh, but, Herb, before we continue on here, I just want to uh, take a time out and sing God Bless America. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Just why, why do you hate America? Like, on a Friday night? <laughs> it's their home opener. With no crowd. <laughs> What the hell are they singing for the players? They don't give a damn. You tweeted God. out. You tweeted out the uh, the word "why," and I knew exactly yeah. what you were talking about. Even though I was watching on a little bit of a delay, so because I watch on the app, so I went back to Twitter and I saw you tweet the word "why," and I knew exactly what you were talking about. I don't that just was... <laughs> uh, uh, like I kind of got it on a Sunday. If that's your tradition, fine. Yeah, fine. yeah. But on a Friday, no one's at the ballpark. I don't know why they do the seventh inning stretch. For who? <laughs> why? We, don't act like this is a regular year. Let's just play baseball. Wait. I know Cubs want to play their damn song with the guy that's been dead for 22 years. But I find that morbid. Wait. Just play baseball. No one's stretching. The players are, are in great shape. They don't need to stretch. They stretch it before the damn game. Play ball. Wait, wait till they shave the innings off the regular games, not even the doubleheaders. Wait till we're like in the middle of August and, you know, they're doing the seventh inning stretch in the third inning. Just wait till that happens. Then that gets really clunky. really muddies the waters for that one. Uh, but a lot to break down tonight in the Sox 3-2 to two win. The lone... The lone uh, scoring output by Adam Engel with a three-run bomb early, and I thought that would be a good indicator. The Sox had a good inning uh, in the first inning, but you know Jose Abreu grounds into the double play. You have T.A. leading off with a double, then Moncada with a walk, and then Abreu kills the rally off there. I, I thought more runs were coming, no doubt, but all you know, all that matters is the uh, the one in the win column. That's the only stat that matters tonight. But I, I want to talk about obviously tonight's the debut of uh, 2018 top draft pick Nick Madrigal and it, it was uh, it was cool you know but we we can't talk about him without talking about everything that went into the decision of calling him up tonight and I guess I'll just say the floor is yours because they they said that he wasn't ready. They sent him to Schaumburg to get better. Uh, to do what in Schaumburg exactly? I don't know. Maybe go to Legoland. 
uh, which is a, it's a cool place if you have a kid, but it's very expensive. I like the Lego uh, construction of Soldier Field because they even paid attention and they had a, a, a little mini guy, a little Lego parabolic mic man by the end zone, which, you know, I was <laughs> I was all over that shit. I was like, yeah, that's that's, that's my guy. Little Z down little Z. there. <laughs> exactly. So you can, you know, maybe do a little medieval times. Maybe he got better there as a person, you know, but I, they're not even doing that. I don't think with social distancing is medieval times that they get. Into, is that a thing still? I, I don't know. I don't know. if that's... Yeah, I, I drive down 90 all the time. No, no. Uh, but is I it open? Medieval- is it open though? I don't think it's open. I I wouldn't go to the indoor uh, tournament dinner and tournament with big ass <laughs> turkey legs served up by people. Yeah, horses are going around charging people and shit, and that's what that, that they do, right? Horses attack people. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it, it, so, it sounds like a great time, really. Uh, I guess if you have enough uh, alcohol, uh, anything could be a great time. I've got a little little uh, glass of whiskey here tonight to celebrate the White Sox victory. Um, so Nick Madrigal wasn't good enough to be with the team a week ago. The Sox, they, 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 they start off slow and all of a sudden he's good enough. Um, I said, I wanted to wait to see how this plays out, wait to see how things unfold with the season, um, what they do with a possible contract extension. I wanted to see all things play out before I jump to any conclusions. And today I can tell you that it seems like this was merely a service time game. So the floor is yours, Herbie. Your thoughts on Nick Madrigal all of a sudden being good a, a week removed from not being good. So I know that the service time issue is more like a six-game. Um, if you miss six games, you cannot accrue another year. So in essence, Nick Madrigal is here for seven years this year, plus six more. And I get it. I get it, guys. Seven is larger than six. And the Chris Bryan, Barry Rosner, who pointed that out to us a couple of years ago. Thank you very much for that. Those years, you might have the excuse of, OK, cool. Send that guy down to the minor leagues where he's playing actual baseball games against other teams who are trying to get him out and he can field the ball, he can hit the ball and be in competition. You could see progression by him playing those games. And the players that previously got service time manipulation, Chris Bryant, um, it would have been Eloy if he didn't sign the contract extension. Same thing with Luis Robert. Those players, if they max out at their potential six years out of the out of the rookie year, they're going to have a contract that is going to be dumb. It's going to be Mookie Betts style. Maybe not to that level, but high as hell, where you're like, oh, man, I got to compete with a bunch of other teams and pay this dude 200 to $300 million for the life of the contract. Nick Madrigal, firstly, is going down to Schaumburg for six days. As I said on Lawrence Holmes' show, nobody, nobody in the history of ever has gotten better by going to Schaumburg. <laughs> so I don't know what he did down there playing games versus 15 of his minor league teammates, just fielding ground balls, hitting BP. I don't know how they got better. So this is clearly a service time manipulation game and a guy that you don't have to do it to because the guy, if he hits his ceiling and he is Dustin Pedroia or Jose Altuve, the contract still isn't that prohibitive to say, oh, man, we cannot afford this man at the end. You actually want him to be that guy. And 
I see as Rick Hahn is so good at doing him signing a three or four year or into his third or fourth year, a contract extension before even hits arbitration. So I think this is null and void and you wasted 10% of the season with Lurie Garcia and Nicky Dalmonico in this lineup who are backups, fine backups, but not starters. Nicky Dalmonico started five straight games and he hadn't seen the field since then. Lurie came in today after Timmy got hurt, looked good, had a single, but he is a backup. He's a perfect fifth infielder, perfect fourth outfielder. Nick Madrigal was one of your top 30 players when you broke camp last week. He should have been on the team initially. I'm glad he's on the team now. But for people who are carrying water for the White Sox saying, who cares, and blah, 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 you have to hold their feet to the fire when they mess up. And this is a mess up. This is a clear mess up. I don't know if it's from Jerry or Kenny or Rick, but whoever did it, or Rick Renteria, but whoever did it, know that they did something that was really dumb. It's penny-wise but pound-foolish. You send a bad message to the rest of your minor leaguers. Hey, this is the game we're going to play. No matter if you've earned it, no matter what you've done on the field, we're going to play this game with you, and as soon as we can bring you up and get that extra year from you, we're going to do it. And Nick Madrigal said he was pissed. He shunned Ricky Renteria when Ricky Renteria told him he's going down to AAA or going down to Schaumburg. He just bounced out and didn't give him a handshake. That man was pissed. And in his uh, Zoom conference today, he said he was pissed. And he said, you know what? I can't take that attitude of being pissed, which I was initially, into what I am right now. I just got to forget about that and go and move on. So you already engendered bad will with one of your players by a move that he knew and everybody on that team knew was a service time manipulation. So it's just garbage. I wish they would work better. I know every team in the majors does it. Whatever. This team is the one I cheer for. This team shouldn't be doing dumb shit. This team should be thinking about winning in a season or getting into the playoffs in a season where they can do that. And every game counts. Their fucking whole moniker and their whole motto for the year is, well, if every damn game counts, have your best players on the field then. Yeah, there's a lot going on here, and it, it just it doesn't add up to me still. Um, for, well, first of all, I, w- I want to ask you, you know, are we should we hold Nick Madrigal in the same reverence as as Eloy and and Luis Robert as far as guys who they definitely should lock up early because I, I has he because you said you know guys that have proven it. Do you think Nick Madrigal's proven it thus far? No, he no. I'm just saying like. He will be a player that profile, especially as a slap-hitting singles-doubles guy, as a guy that will be begging for somebody like a David. Not He's better than David Bodie, but when the Cubs came to David Bodie and said, hey, here's a five-year, $15 million deal, he jumped on that deal because he knows where his ceiling's at. The Sox offer Nick Magical some deal that's under market value after a couple of years. I'm sure he'll jump on it because it's nice wealth, and he knows that his ceiling is not like Luis Roberts. It's not like Eloy Jimenez. His ceiling is is Dustin Pedroian, the guy is out of the league, who didn't make that much money, but he made a decent amount of money. I think Rick Hahn, after a while, three, four years, will say, okay, kid, here's, I don't know what a structured deal is, whatever, five years for this amount of money. He will definitely do more than the Ozzy Albies garbage, seven years, 35 million. But, you know, you offer him somewhere underneath you know five years for 50 million 
does Nick Madrigal not take that ten million per to buy up a couple arb years and maybe a, f- a couple free agent years? Hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah, getting back to you know my earlier point about this not adding up. Here, I'm just going to speculate here. I, I have no inside information on on what's going on, but you know you just you look you add up all the evidence in terms of how the stocks like to take care of their players. And, and I think you're right. I think if Nick Madrigal is is even slightly above average, he'll get locked in over the off season. Once things are a little more certain for next year, who knows how certain things will be, uh, you know, actually. But, uh, you know, Rick Hahn's track record is you secure young talent and take care of the young talent eventually, whether it's before they even hit the field like Eloy or Luis Robert or if it's after the fact, Adam Eaton, Chris Sale, Jose Quintana, Tim Anderson, Johan Moncada. The, the list goes on and on. Uh, Aaron Bummer. Um, I, I, have a, I have a feeling that Rick Hahn is confident in betting on himself. And if he believed that Nick Madrigal makes this team better, I think he would have wanted to have him on the opening day roster and starting every day. And and you heard in the Zoom call when they decided that they weren't going to call him up, that they were going to send him to Schaumburg, they talked about how Leary Garcia, they believe, gives them a tactical advantage. I don't remember what the exact quote was, but they but they liked his – his left-handedness in the lineup as far as a day-to-day lineup construction goes. They prefer that asset over everything Nick Madrigal brings to the table. And I'm wondering if there was a little rift between Rick Hahn and Rick Renteria where, you know, Rick says, hey, Rick's a smart guy. He knows there's there's a lot of variance in baseball, especially this year with the added playoff spots. He knows that the team is better with Nick Madrigal on it. Nick Madrigal, from all accounts that I've heard, didn't do anything to get himself out of favor with the White Sox. He didn't deserve a, a demotion or, or, or a penalty for you know, breaking a rule or something like that. You know, he he didn't deserve this type of treatment. He, he appears to have impressed everyone that he's been with in camp and during the inter squads and all that stuff. So I'm wondering if there was a little rift between him, between Han and Renteria, where Han says, this is our guy, this is our starting second baseman, but then Mazzara gets hurt, and then you get into a whole semantic argument about the, the about the ball club in Rick Renteria's eyes. And Rick Renteria likes to go to the old, you know, he's he's not the uh, the Swiss Army knife, he's the survival tool. Larry Garcia, he, he knows him, he feels comfortable with him, and he believes genu- genuinely uh, that he is a better option for his ball club. I, I think that that's one option that's on the table. Second option is... They wanted to approach Madrigal with a contract extension before he even suits up on game one. Did he earn it? Probably not, but I think their track record, I think that would be a bad message to any of their high picks, any of their their high prospects uh, to to not offer him a a respectable contract extension. It, it It makes you look bad when these guys have it and these other guys don't, and this guy's got the pedigree of being a first round pick. And I, I think they probably offered him something or couldn't get it that far. I'm, like maybe the finances held it back and maybe they kicked it upstairs and with no fans in attendance and the quote lost revenue, uh, unquote, that, that that the owners are receiving. It lost revenue, by the way, just means revenue that they're not receiving. It doesn't mean they're losing money. Um, maybe they tried to kick that up the ladder and it was turned down. I don't know. But it just these things don't it, they don't add up to me in terms of how the White Sox have done business of, of late. Uh, over the course of my history being a White Sox fan, you know, if you pluck this lone incident out and, and said, look what they did to this kid, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But it just just judging by everything Rick Hahn's done, 
and things that they've said, it just it doesn't make sense that 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 they would jerk him like this just to get the extra year. And I have heard some theories around from some of our other White Sox media podcast brethren that they that they believed. I don't remember who it was exactly, but there was some thought maybe that maybe they felt that this season wasn't going to get completed. So what's the point of of Call, you know, starting magical service time clock like that because right now things don't look good for the MLB season even finishing. So maybe the smart people thought this is going to be a huge waste of time and we're just burning a year of service time and we can't offer him anything substantial financially. So what's the point of all of it? I, I heard that that rumor being floated around, which makes sense. Day as we get deeper and deeper into this MLB season, it makes more sense to think, yeah, this we might not finish this thing. So what's the point of all of it? But yeah, I, I just find it hard to believe that they would not have him on the roster uh, for those first five games when they know he makes their team better. There's something had to have going on here. And if it was a thing with, with the two Ricks, I think – Someone's got to step in, be it Kenny, be it Rick Hahn, and say, hey, this is the best thing for our ball club. I want him in that lineup. And Renneria could have said, yeah, you can have him here, sure, but I'm not going to guarantee you I'm going to play him every day because I believe that Leori Garcia gives us a better chance to win. And at that point, I don't know what you do about your manager. But either way, uh, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. We can move on to his actual performance in the game tonight itself. But, yeah, I just I, shame on the Sox if this was service time manipulation. Sure, it's a rule. It doesn't mean they have to follow it. Um, I I took pride in thinking that this organization was going to be on the forefront of taking care of players and thus creating a destination for all players to want to come play for you. And you know, international free agents, you know, competing to play for you instead of you competing for them to play for you. You know what I mean? So, I I was hoping that it was be it would be a new wave. In a new era for how people and teams look at contracts, and I thought the Sox would lead the way. So I hope this isn't the case, but as it sits right now, that is the case. It was pretty clear. As, as soon as those five games were over, he's up, and they certainly needed him, and they could have used him at any point this week when they were going up against those uh, fine pitchers up in, down in Cleveland uh, who, you know, they, they could have used some contact in that lineup any at any point this week, and maybe they wouldn't be sitting at three and four. But uh, Nevertheless, they are three and four, and let's get to Madrigal's performance today, uh, shall we? Yes. Okay, so Nick Madrigal, it was funny seeing him in the on-deck circle before his first at-bat. Of course, the Royals had the cardboard cutouts of, of the you know famous Royals of years past, which is really weird. They couldn't get like fans or, or people, but they did have cardboard cutouts of uh, you know Pat Mahomes was up there. They had uh, their mascot Slugger, I think is their mascot. Um like I said, Pat Mahomes was there because he is a uh, a he's an owner now. He's part owner. He's got a stake in the team uh, that happened this week. If you missed that, Pat Mahomes purchased a a piece of the Royals, so now he's on on their board for ownership. Uh, I hope I was hoping they've had a cutout of OJ Mahomes, OJ Simpson dressed up as Pat Mahomes, <laughs> but that wasn't there. They did have a, a cardboard cutout of your guy, your guy. Marlins man, did I see did see that some bitch, <laughs> and I hated that. Le- I hated that Layla amplified the the message and got the tension out there because I didn't uh, notice did it. I didn't notice it until she tweeted it, and then Marlins man tweeted back at her, of course, with his whole, like, "Oh yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad people saw it because people oh. were ask- people were asking about like was really were, were they were they asking about your cardboard cutout in Kansas City <sighs> in the pandemic? People were worried about where's Marlins man, um, but he was there. No one cares about that dick." <laughs> <laughs> and, and Look I, at me, Dick. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then I was thinking about other cardboard cutouts they could have had out there of former Royals players, like former Sox killers. You get Billy Butler's cardboard cutout out there. Uh, he was there. I saw his. Oh, they actually they, they did behind the it was behind the plate. They have a lo- bunch of players behind the plate, including um, not even a player, but Bob Kendrick from the Negro National uh, Museum. Okay. Um, Negro Leagues National Museum. He was right behind uh, like where the umpire is standing. But if on the other side, I think they have a picture either of Dan Quisenberry or Steve Balboni, one of those old Royals. Oh. And right next to him was a picture of Billy Butler. I was okay. like, I hate Billy Butler. Well, what about, did they have Ryan? Single to fucking right field all the time off, with the White Sox. Off Chris Sale. Yeah, here's, here's Chris Sale in his, in his early prime. And Billy Butler's like, yeah, I'll just serve it the other way for a home run. Um, did they have uh, Mike Sweeney out there? Was he out there represented? I'm sure Mike Sweeney, uh, Joe Randa. Oh, God. Uh, Alberto Callaspo. <laughs> yeah, his cut, uh, Joe Randa's cardboard cutout got a triple today versus the White Sox. And they couldn't do anything with it. <laughs> who, who else could they? Um, Unieski Betancourt, did he have a cardboard cutout out there? Uh, but anyway. Go to school a lot of Unieskis. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, so, yeah, so it was funny to see Nick Madrigal out there, you know, getting ready for his first plate appearance in front of a cardboard cutout of a, of a Star Wars Stormtrooper. Um, but such is life in 2020. So in, in his first at bat, um, he kind of gets this half swing ground out to second base. It didn't hit it very hard. An exit velo. That's velocity for all you uh, oldsters out there. Um, 59 exit velocity. And then this didn't look really impressive off of uh, off Chris Bubich. And then his uh, second at bat in the fourth, uh, there was a force out to shortstop. Uh, he hit that one a little bit harder. Ninety-nine exit velocity on that one, and uh, ultimately he reaches in the top of the seventh on a fielding error by Mondesi, and he has the presence of mind to go to second base on the errant throw, which was good. But then he did a, it was a big no-no for for little Nicky out there tonight. Uh, he decided yeah. to, to test the arm of a gold glover, Alex Gordon, who was throwing to one of the best defensive catchers of, of our generation, Salvi Perez. And that, that matchup but wasn't... That's a- on Nick Capra, though. <laughs> Nick Capra knows who the fuck is in left field. Alex Gordon might not hit, but the one thing he could do is field and throw. And that throw was accurate. It was right on the money. Uh, Salvi Perez pretty much put the glove in front of the plate and Nick Magical touched the glove. That's not Nick Magical's fault. He knows that Alex Gordon's good if he's watched baseball any time in the last 10 years. But he's trusting Nick Capra, waving Nick Capra for that. Yeah, he's got to make a perfect throw, but that's one of the best things. That's what he has in his toolbox is a great arm and great fielding. And so that is always on Nick Capra or Wavem Wendell Kim or whoever you want to have out there. Jeff, Brendan's guy, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Cox. There. I mean, he has, he has good speed, but also, come on, the, Michael Franco's already uh, in his way, you know, like any good third baseman does, tries to obstruct the route of the guy coming from second to third going home. Michael Franco did a great job without getting in his way all totally, but slowed down his route a little bit, and then you got a cannon arm from... Alex Gordon, come on. That is on Nick Capra. I'm not going to blame the Rook on that. So, 0 for 3, Nick Madrigal goes tonight, but the defense looked pretty crisp and clean, man. Like mm-hmm. he, he He's he's a smooth operator over there at second base. Quick release. What did you think of uh, his performance in general, and uh, what, about, especially on the defensive end is what I like tonight? Kid smooth. I mean, the one thing I think he could have helped with, and I think you spoke to this either on the air today on the um, 
back in Parkin show and or here is that he puts bat on ball and he gets contact. We contact with that first one, the excuse me swing, but rocket contact the second time and the third time, put the ball in play. That's what we could have used last week when we're going against these filthy pitchers. And with the guy through 100, the bat in the seventh inning, he still batted that ball up and almost got a hit right up the middle at the Bertel Mondesi with the errant throw, which I thought it should have been a hit. He's ranging far to his left and going uh, opposite way of his throw. It's a tough play. The Kansas City uh, score is a little tough <laughs> on Nick Magic with the presence of mind, of, like you said, to recognize that ball's past him and then get the second real quick. So I thought he was really smooth with the bat. You know, the results weren't there. And the defense, as a minor league gold glover last year, was ex- as expected. Balls were hit, and I thought that would eat anybody who was a youngster or as you saw Tim Anderson today, Ooh, we're good. tough yeah. day on the field the yeah. whole day. But no problems today at all for Nick Magical on the fielding side. He was smooth as hell. Absolutely not. And it was really cool to see how they did the 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 look ins with his family. Like you know, it it must really suck. And I know the the uh, Cespedes family barbecue Twitter account is tweeting you know guys who are making their major league debut and where they're from they're doing something cool so everyone can see because their friends and family can't go to games and see them in their first major league at bat or first major league outing as a pitcher so that's one of the things that sucks about this year but also I felt like we got a closer look a nice intimate shot of the Madrigal family as they're sort of riding the emotional roller coaster of Madrigal's first everything out there. I thought that was really cool. A job well done by NBC Sports Chicago tonight, showcasing the Madrigal family. But yeah, I mean, just making contact, good things happen with with that 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 third at bat where he reaches on the error. You know, ultimately he winds up at second base and he nearly scores. You know what I mean? That just that's one of those things where you know maybe he gets a pass ball, you know, and, and he advances to third, and then you know maybe a, the sack fly brings him in. You know what I mean? Like that's something that they could use against you know guys like uh, Shane Bieber the next time they face him. You know what I mean? Like they're they're gonna need that type of presence to sort of balance out that lineup a little bit. So yeah, I, I I'm I'm glad he's here finally. You know, we get to see him and that that gets to be done with, and then maybe tomorrow he can just relax a little bit. Um, I don't know if he had nerves. Uh, I think maybe in that first at bat for sure. You know, you don't see a guy like him sort of take a half-ass swing like that. But especially off a guy that was just fresh off of single A. But yeah, I'm just glad we can put that behind us. And you know, hopefully they he he pans out and they work out a, a friendly contract for the kid and and he ends up performing well this year and we get to see him every day. Just just put him in there every day and and let him sink or swim. Uh, moving on, other things that uh, that were important in the game tonight. Tim Anderson did exit. As you mentioned earlier, with a, a right right hip soreness, so I haven't seen any updates about that. So hopefully he'll be ready to go tomorrow. Uh, Tim, he he's starting to swing the bat again a little bit. Uh, he had that leadoff double in the first inning, but uh, Tim forgot to bring his glove to the park tonight. Herbie, mm. it was real tough to see him revert back to his 2019 form because what you said uh, the other day, his footwork looked exceptional. The other couple of days were in Cleveland. And on the first series in Chicago. But today, I don't know if the first ball that he kind of messed up made the second and third balls kind of look weird because he left the game eventually with a right hip uh, soreness. So maybe um, he, because he just looked lost after that first one. He looked like his footwork wasn't right, he wasn't feeling um, 
as he usually would, like the smoothest, silky guy that he usually is. I mean, he didn't look like when he's making errors last year, I thought most of those were like the throwing errors. He wouldn't get his footwork down to get the throw off correctly. And so the throw would be errant. It just seemed like or carelessness. We're just what is that? Or carelessness, like you know, one it slides under the glove. You know what I mean? Like, or he tries to. He made one the other night where it just like slid under the glove, and he could have had it if he would have gave himself a little bit more time. You know, stuff like that. Errors out of out of youth and 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 carelessness and trying to be too cute with it. You know what I mean? Usually, yeah. usually it's not physical errors with him uh, in in terms of fielding anyway. You know, so yeah, I, I don't know if he was hurt when he got hurt and if that affected, or maybe he got hurt on that that second error. Um, Boy, yeah, where the grass kind of came yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was weird. It was like, it was not Tim like. That's what I was like. That is weird. When he did the second time, I was like, there's something off. And then when Leary pinch hit for him, and I was like, what's wrong with Timmy? Because there's no way Rick's going to, even though Rick's a, you know, whatever, bad manager and put those in quotes, <laughs> I know Rick wouldn't pinch hit for Tim Anderson, his number one hitter literally in the lineup. So right. um, I knew Tim was uh, feeling some sort of way. And for his sake, he's back in the lineup tomorrow, feeling good and hitting against the Kansas city Royals. Cause he did the double to start the game off. And then a single right after that, he loves hitting against the Royals. He loves them. He does. He loves whooping their ass every time he plays them too. And, you know, certainly I, I love the idea that the White Sox have a guy that can torture the Royals for the next decade. They've certainly had their share of guys that, that torture the White Sox. So hopefully can, uh, Timmy continues that trend. Uh, some other encouraging things tonight. Uh, we'll start with Dallas Keuchel, who who literally duplicated the outing he had uh, last time out against the Twins. Five innings pitched, seven hits, two earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts. Looked okay. The control wasn't the best. He wasn't the most crisp tonight, but he held the, the Royals down early after the Sox jumped out to the early lead, which was huge because how many times have we seen that at that ballpark where you can't keep a lead or, they, or the Royals jump on you quick with all that speed they have in their lineup? Um, he couldn't figure out. Didn't didn't have a book on that McBroom kid. Uh, so you know, maybe maybe we was getting loose. Yeah, maybe we have a scouting report for him tomorrow. Uh, see how that goes. But uh, but game balls tonight to the bullpen once again. Uh, after Keiko exits, Jimmy Cordero comes in and holds the line for an inning and two thirds, lowering his ERA on the season. It was uh, about one hundred thousand, and now it's down to a cool six point zero ERA. Uh, Evan Marshall gets a hold with his one inning of, uh, of of perfect relief with one strikeout, and Alex Colomay with a relatively uneventful uh, ninth inning. He had uh, a strikeout in the ninth inning, so a nice job by the bullpen tonight. We've seen a lot of games get away from the Sox in Kansas City, and especially in the heat, but they didn't even have the Kansas City heat tonight, Herbie. But uh, it was 79 degrees there, and it made me think, damn, I miss baseball. How I would love to you know, take Friday off of work. The Cubs probably would have been at home playing a 120 today. We could have drove down to KC, got some barbecue, and it would have been so comfortable, 79-degree Friday night in Kansas City. But but I digress. I miss baseball. But the, the, the bullpen tonight, another great outing by the bullpen. And the White Sox, other than Tim Anderson's mess-ups tonight, they played a solid defense, and the bullpen is solid too. And those are two huge recipes for success that I hope can be sustainable. Yeah, and for the bullpen, you know, Evan Marshall's becoming a thing. And I'll get back to him, but the Calame start, I think it was versus O'Hare or Hearn. 
I was getting flashbacks to the Cleveland game two days ago where um, Reyes was just battling him for like 10 pitches and then serving that ball to right field for a, a single. And I was like, man, O'Haren's going to get a single or a double off of him because it was like a 10-pitch at bat, and he couldn't put him away, and finally he got him out. But then after that, smooth sailing for my man Column A. And I was, before he even started that inning, I was like, okay, maybe Column A needs to be downshifted to the setup guy. You have Bummer and or the Filthy. Evan Marshall, what the hell happened? He was yeah. good last year. He was He's like great it's, now. It's it's always a, a thing when you see a guy like okay, you're you're our our guy who we go to when we're down by a little bit or tied like in the you know fifth or sixth inning or when the game's gotten away from you to go from that guy in the low leverage to all of a sudden like he's your first man out like he's he's the guy that's setting up Aaron Bummer the other night or he's the guy tonight uh setting up Colome um yeah just it's what what a turnaround and I, and I hope it lasts because that, that that's quite a revelation if they can uh shorten the game this year because with the with the pitchers and the injuries that are piling up pitchers are going out there for you know fewer innings and fewer pitches so if you can shorten the game and have someone that you can pencil in maybe for that sixth inning like Evan Marshall and and then play the matchups and go bummer you know the seventh and eighth and column A for the ninth that would that would be quite a thing for the Sox this year um before we finish it off here, I want to let you guys know that tonight's episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Axios. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. So other things on the notepad tonight, uh, Nick Madrigal's debut, the White Sox 3-2 winners in Kansas City, improving their records to 3-4 and four on the season, got a chance to get back to 500 tomorrow and possibly come out of Kansas City if they get a sweep above 500 and, and boy that would be uh, a welcome sight here so other things uh, that I thought were funny tonight James McCann uh, getting hit by a pitch twice getting oh. getting getting beamed uh, getting hit in the head by Chris Bubich and then getting hit in the wrist and James McCann wasn't happy, and Benetti's like, oh, uh, James McCann is livid right now. And then you see him at first base, and he's smiling. And I just, I picture an angry James McCann. We've dealt with James a, a few times on the radio. Just an angry version of James McCann is like, hey, man, I didn't like that very much when you hit me in the head and almost killed me. Try not to do that again, man. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just frustration. It probably hit, probably yeah. when he got hit, it probably stung a little bit, and he's like, Son of a bitch, I got hit again by this rookie. Yeah. Find your pitch, find your release point, Rook. And he was just like frustrated. He wanted to show the Rook that he's, you know, while you might not have done that on purpose, it still hurts. And you're some bitch, you get your stuff together. And the Rook didn't last that long. Um, but yeah, uh, James McCann is one of the most mild mannered people out there that hit to the helmet, I thought would definitely bring something, you know, as a bad injury to James McCann, but he shook that off like a G. And it was like, no, y'all go back there. I don't even need no help. I ain't got nothing. He, like, the helmet fell off. He ran to first, and he was smiling. I'm My man is all solid. <laughs> I wish they'd bring out the same lineup tomorrow, the same. Like, McCann can be the DH. Well, that's what I want to get to. They, they had McCann and Grandal in the lineup tonight, and Grandal continues to struggle so far in the season, he's hitting just 118. He was 0 for 4 tonight, two strikeouts, two men left on base. Good for a OPS of a whopping 356. Uh, 
Grandal's really struggling right now, and he had an opportunity to hit from both sides tonight and still couldn't quite put it together. Your level of concern for Yasmani early on here? Zero. Okay. I have none. The man is the professional hitter. He'll get his hits, walks, runs driven in eventually. Just got to play him. None of this sitting and down. When he does get a day like today, a break from catching, designated hit him or play first base. He can do that too. Jose can get a break off of playing first base as he is not a great first baseman himself. And so far, not that great of a hitter uh, as we witnessed. He did rocket that ball that he eventually turned into a double play uh, in the first inning. But Grandal, I think, has to be in the lineup consistently to give him the opportunity to be the player they signed. You signed him to the largest contract in White Sox history. Let him prove it. A couple early inning or early game struggles shouldn't, you know, make James McCann the ultimate catcher uh, and then Grandal as some reserve. He's going to be playing for every day, and they should have that every day of him in the everyday lineup, no matter what, unless he asks for a day off or you see that he's getting – worn down, give James McCann the glove, but I need to have Yasmani Grandal, righty, lefty, some some way, some form, in that damn lineup. And I know Edwin Encarnacion is our big-time DH, but I if we had to flip a coin, I would rather have uh, Yasmani Grandal in lineup than Edwin Encarnacion because he signed him to that big-ass deal. He's got to be in our lineup I, I, when he sits out. I agree. He gives you the best at bats when he's going right, and and I like the Encarnacion angle because you can bring him in to pinch hit uh, during a ball game or switch someone out. You know what I mean? Like I, I like that element of it, that threat off the bench late against high velocity guys. Uh, you know, name any team like having a guy like Encarnacion coming off the bench in the right circumstance. I like that as an option. We'll be back to wrap this puppy up after a quick message from CBDMD. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, or even if you're like me, uh, you're, you're pulling out crabgrass in your lawn and all of a sudden you're feeling sore. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. But luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets a little chaotic. You got CBD Freeze with Menthol, which is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. There's also CBD Recover that combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And here's what you got to do for us, for our Locked on White Sox listeners, and make it even easier for you guys to get this amazing duo of topicals and everything else that CBDMD has to offer. They're offering you guys 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. The White Sox winner tonight in Kansas City, 3-2 to two over the Royals. And that does it for us tonight, I think, Herbie. And stay tuned because we still have episode two of Locked On Luis Roberts. And right now he's played a full week in the big leagues. we got lots to cover, his first hit, his first home run. And he's starting to get a little national media attention. So we'll get to that uh, most likely tomorrow before the week's out. And, of course, we have Mailbag Monday. And how can they get a hold of us on the mailbag, Herbie? They can reach us at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. That is LockedOnSocks, all one word, at gmail.com. Leave your suggestions, leave your questions. 
whatever you want to call, whatever you want to ask us. If even, even if it's not about baseball, you can ask us anything. We'll answer it if you're one of the people who are chosen for our Locked on Socks Mailbag Monday. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Locked on Socks. And Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence, at Ecknerwall23 on Twitter. So that'll do it for this great Great victory over the Kansas City Royals. There's they're always, nothing they're better, always great, yeah. Nothing better than beating the Kansas City Royals. Always, because those some bitches are a tough out every time, no matter if they're supposed to be good or supposed to be bad. Always good to beat on those punks because <laughs> I hate them with a passion. They're the team I hate the most in the league. And to get that victory, hmm, it feels so good. So for Chris Tannehill, I'm Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this recap of that White Sox winner on Locked On Sox.